1: Hi, welcome Hello. to Bar versus Reality, Trent.
0: I am happy to be back. This is the third time I've been on this podcast. It's great.
1: This is true. I think you might be the guest we've had on the most now.
0: That's because I'm your favorite.
1: <laughs> and you've become more available recently, which I, has been useful.
0: <laughs> yes, it's awesome. I love not my job, it's fucking great. <laughs>
1: Um, hey, that's just teaching, though. You knew that when you signed up for it.
0: I didn't know it'd be this bad.
1: Well, you know, that's that's why my partner's only a substitute right now. Yeah, <laughs> like not sure he wants to do that.
0: No, don't, don't fucking do it. If he's in the room, no, run away, quit.
1: <laughs> Mark, Trent says run away, quit. Don't do the education.
0: Don't fucking do it, bro. He's
1: he's nodding. <laughs>
0: I'm not joking. I it's know we're
1: we're not either. Well, anyway, Trent, uh, we are covering Fritz Lang's M today from, and let's get let's crawl into the way way back machine, 1931. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, of course, it's a it's a German film, so a lot of cool stuff was happening in Germany at the time. Mm. <laughs> a lot of a lot of really cool stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool guys hanging mm-hmm. out. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool guys with very specific mustaches.
0: Yes, yes. uh, The Chaplain, I believe.
1: Mm, yes. It's... Yes, let's call it that. (laughs) Yeah, we're
0: gonna call it that right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, so this movie, not only did it come out at the uh, dawn of um, (laughs) and also... The rise of
0: Nazism and fascism in Germany, yes, yes.
1: Yes, yes, yes. But it also was literally... Fritz Lang's first sound film. It's his first talkie.
0: Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I read something about that. Yeah.
1: Mhm, mhm. So everything previous was literally a silent film. That's how you know we're covering a movie that's nearly a hundred years old.
0: Yes, and it is a fucking good one. It is a really great fucking movie. It's like on top ten lists for a
1: reason. Yeah, stone cold classic. And yeah. very arguably the godfather of uh, noir and thrillers.
0: Absolutely, yeah, no, I mean, like, just true crime, or, well, I guess this isn't necessarily true crime, even though it's inspired by some really, some real, some real kooky characters that are coming <laughs> to play. Yes, uh, that you will
1: be talking about in the second chapter.
0: Yes, yes, yes. But this movie is uh, just to save up for for the second part like this movie is absolutely fantastic it's a movie that i had seen years previously and i i've been reading about it on and off for the past couple of months i was like hmm, i wonder if uh we're gonna get to do this movie and lo and behold you're like hey trent you dumb <laughs> bitch you want to do this fucking movie, you fucking idiot and, and I was just like, wow You're being really aggressive about your line of questioning right now But <laughs> I guess I can do this Because I, I, I I'm i trying to make a career out of podcasting And comedy And you're like, yeah, that's right You little fuckface dick <laughs> Like, yeah, you, you, you said these things
1: You couldn't resist the abuse <laughs>
0: It, it just, it reminded me of my mother. So, mm. uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But in all seriousness. Um, yes. So, how did this, how did you first get into this movie? Because I have my own personal story about it myself.
0: So, I've always been um, a little fucking nerd when it comes to movies and uh, crime and true crime and shit. So, I was probably about like.
1: Snap, snap, snap.
0: <laughs> 16, 17 or something like that. And I was looking up, oh, German serial killers. Let's go down this fun little. Uh, trollop, uh, frolic, I mean, that, uh, that I'm sure I'm gonna, you know, come out the other end feeling really good about humanity. Um, uh, mm-hmm.
2: totally. So that,
0: did, that didn't happen, but I did find, uh, out about this movie and I was like, okay, I'm gonna check it out. And I probably watched it on like either fucking YouTube or like some bootleg thing. I, I honestly can't remember, but I really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, kind of had it in the back of my mind when I went to BRCC, uh, and did some film studies classes there, but uh, this is really my first time revisiting it other than like reading about it and like reading essays and like watching video essays about it in quite a while.
1: Okay, cool. All right. I uh, was also a nerdy little teenager Uh, (laughs) and uh, I came at it from the opposite end, I would say though. I didn't come Hmm. at it from the serial killer route Mm -hmm. I had been deep in uh, foreign film at that Mm -hmm, point mm -hmm. Uh, and bless my friends who were also, uh, you know, a little um, uh, pretentious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel
0: like it describes us both.
1: Yeah, right, so, <laughs> so, you know, in high school, if you're, like, considered a quote-unquote hipster, you're definitely pretentious, and let's yes. be real, all of my, well, okay, I won't say all of them, but a certain crowd that I ran with, they know who they are. Yes. <laughs> they definitely uh, agree with me, but we were all definitely mm-hmm. <clears throat> a bit that way for a little while. You know, super cool going out and hanging in dirty bars on the weekends, listening mm-hmm. to local bands
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, hanging out in Borders Bookstore in the Criterion section aisle.
0: Oh, Christ. I, mean, I, I would go hang out at the mall and go to that part of the Borders, but none of my friends wanted to go there because they I, I was the pretentious one in a group of uh, mostly white trash.
1: Oh, okay. See, that. And I'm still just...
0: white trash. I'm just, I'm <laughs> sensitive. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like a less edgy Damien Eccles at that age.
1: Oh, nice saw, uh, nice reference. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay. So I would say, like, this whole group, like, I definitely hung out with a bunch of different groups, but this entire group were all like into that. But yeah. one person in particular, and he knows who he is, uh, we used to go hang out there together a lot. And yeah that i remember that first time i ever stepped in there after i like had found out about the criterion collection mm-hmm. i bought this is such a film nerd thing to admit but i bought m
2: okay. and
1: on um, criterion i still own that copy and then i grabbed let me see if i can pronounce this right mm. symbiostatic taxoplasm or something like that do you know what i'm talking about?
0: I have no idea what that is, but it sounds like something I would jack off to you, so... Yes.
1: Symbios psychotaxoplasm. <laughs> uh, I bought that, also. It's it's uh, an experimental documentary about a filmmaker trying to make a documentary from, like, 1968.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, William Greaves uh, directed it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. So,
1: yep. Yeah, so I <laughs> and then I bought *Shallow Grave*, the Danny Boyle movie.
0: Oh Lord, *Shallow Grave*. Uh, okay, that's that's fine.
1: That no, that's a wonderful movie. But yeah. you gotta admit that trio there is like you film nerd.
0: <laughs> you, you're like, wait, how old are you when you uh, got these movies?
1: like
0: 17 Uh <laughs> right, you were definitely the kind of chick that i would have absolutely gone for and then like as i got older it's like wow she hasn't seen come and see what the fuck? i thought she was cool wow i have seen come and see
1: though
0: you haven't seen come and see
1: I said no, I have
0: though. Oh, you have, okay, but like I mean, my, back then at seventeen. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. I think I only have one Criterion film, and it's Memories of Underdevelopment, a uh, Cuban film based off a novel.
1: Another
0: one. It is fucking awesome. I, I you're actually the only per- wait, you know it? Yeah. You're the only other person that I know that was outside of this class that had heard of this movie. So fucking a.
1: Um. I don't want to, I'm not bragging, it's a little embarrassing, but I remember like sometimes being bored in study hall and not Mm. having anything like a book with me or something. I'd pull out the Criterion catalog that had all the lists of movies and just dream about (laughs) what I was going to buy next. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. Uh, I
0: respect yeah. that. I respect the fuck out of that. I I don't have any plans. <laughs> I don't have that many plans to buy any Criterion stuff just yet because that shit's expensive.
1: That shit is expensive. I got a bunch of it when Borders like half off when Borders went out of business.
0: Yeah, no, like I'm I'm probably going to Barnes and Noble at some point this week. Last time I was there, it was like you gotta watch bucks. those
1: sales so they can yeah. get down to like thirty. It's a little yeah. more affordable.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: Some of them I get from eBay.
0: Okay. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll see. We'll see.
1: Sometimes they're on sale on Amazon. You know, just oh, never, shit. you never know. I found a couple at uh, just like thrift stores. Just yeah. Should you just, just keep my eyes peeled? You know what I'm saying. But anyway, let's get back to M. <laughs> yes. Yes. So one more nerdy thing about my relationship to this film is uh, for my. Senior year of high school, I took an entrepreneurship class for just mm-hmm. like one, one semester. At the end of the year, we had to make a mock business. And then you, you're you supposed to make like a diorama mm-hmm. of what your building would look like. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that doesn't sound fun. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I went up to the teacher and asked her, hey, is it okay if I, and I told her the plan, which the plan was, my business was going to be, now granted, I, in 2006, I could not foresee Netflix, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it was like an indie video rental store, you know, like the cool ones that are starting to kind of come back in hip areas like those, that was the, that was the what it was modeled as, and then it was also a bakery that had okay. fresh baked stuff that you could like get if you had you know munchies in a movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so okay. then, my, so my idea was like, hey, since I don't want to do a boring diorama in a shoebox, mm-hmm. is it cool if I bring the extended extras from all my Criterion DVDs <laughs> that I had at the time? <laughs> And show those little clips, are little clips of them, and that and that can be part of my business plan, like, showing these people. And then can I also just bring, like, two different flavors of cupcakes? Perfect. So I made pink lemonade cupcakes with cream cheese icing. What the fuck? And That's amazing. And chai cupcakes. Holy shit. With cream cheese icing. <laughs> and it was a big hit everybody was super stoked for my part of the class because I think it was towards the end. So everybody was able to, like, wake up, get a little sugar in their system, and then go about the rest of the day. Anyway, so, yeah, I showed them Mm -hmm. clips from M, which was, like, entirely in German, so they had to, like, squint at the subtitles off of the projector. It was great. Yeah. It was great. (laughs) Look, everyone liked their cupcakes. Anyway, let's get back to M. So
0: yes uh,
1: you like this movie right
0: i love this movie this is great i mean it's a fascinating uh fucking look like like th- this whole procedural type of uh film that we had never really seen before as far as i know i don't know i'm not as much of a film buff as i say i am i mostly just call myself that to get laid so uh.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah that's fair I love this movie too, obviously. Since I just told you those embarrassing stories about my teenage years, um, <laughs> um, so let's talk about Fritz Lang, shall we? Yes, let's we talk can. about Fritzy,
0: our boy Fritz.
1: <laughs> mhm. So yes, he is a legendary Austrian film director that pioneered the thriller genre. Absolutely, but there's also an argument to be made that he killed his first wife. Allegedly, oh yeah. Um, personally, I
0: about
1: that. yeah, you know, personally, I think he did it. Uh, I think he did it to get her out of the way so he could marry his writing partner, Thea. Yeah, you know, officially, it was ruled an accident, and he basically experienced zero repercussions, as it
0: should be the case.
1: Mm, yeah. Uh, especially in that time period, because you know, white man.
0: Look, you know, I mean, (laughs) you know, he did it. He walked so William S. Burroughs could run, you know, (laughs) away from the Federals and all that shit.
1: You know, we did an episode on Burroughs.
0: I know that. Yeah, it's on my list. I haven't listened to it yet, though. Oh, you got to get to it. It's a good episode. I'm I'm gonna. Okay.
1: (laughs) All right. So. uh, Oh, so here's what happened to her. She died from a single gunshot wound. Made by a gun that was used in World War One, which mm-hmm. Lang, you know, happened to serve in for the Austrian Army. Uh, it was there. Their... They
0: were the good guys, right?
1: Uh... <laughs> let's
0: let's really walk on eggshells on this
2: one. Um,
1: it was here that he lost his right eye. By the way, like yes. during the in the war. Mm-hmm. That's where he got that fantastic eye patch that really made him look like a villain.
0: <laughs> yeah, Germans and eye patches, they do not
1: mix. Well, they don't make you look like the good guy. No, but not at I, all. I, By the way, I love German people. I have a healthy helping of German ancestry of 50% almost. So.
0: Oh, no. I mean, I have great friends of mine that are German. I just...
1: I'm just i just saying that I am not speaking ill with the Germans. Look,
0: I I make fun of all Europeans cuz they all have blood on their
2: hands.
1: Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. what nation doesn't <laughs> at this point? Yeah, Honestly. Exactly. Yeah, nobody's innocent, guys. Anyway, yeah. so
0: <laughs> You should hear what I say about the British. Whoo. <laughs>
1: Ugh. Oh, boy. Got some of them in my blood, too. But and you know, all of what... my
0: British friends agree with me.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, probably fair. I, you know, <laughs> I haven't asked my British friends, because my British friends are always on to either talk about, like, a killer object on my other podcast, right. or on this one, nerding out about something. So yeah. <laughs> I don't talk to them a lot about things outside of horror, now that I think about it. Right. But that's fair. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Fritz probably, probably killed his first wife. Yeah, uh, but likely. but but you know, it's yeah, it's my opinion. I think he killed her anyway. Yeah. It's a terrible shame that he probably murdered her for Thea, because you know him and Thea split ways because turns out Thea was like, "Hey, those Nazis have some good ideas." Yeah. He's, and he's like, "Hey, I'm half Jewish." Peace. But
0: that's that's not that's not jibing with me, babe.
1: Yep, and that's how they broke up. But before they broke up, they wrote M together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. shit. I'm like on the Wikipedia right now. I did not realize that she wrote Metropo- Metropolis.
1: Wee. She did? Da.
0: She wrote the novel Metropolis. Da. And then Fritz Lang adapted it in 27. Da. <laughs> I did not know this. I am I am not a bright man.
1: Well, I let you. I should let you know, whenever I do research for these, I go down a rabbit hole where all I think about is either the killer or the film for like two weeks
0: <laughs> yeah no i mean I, I i did that for the for peter Curtin, but like i've been doing that for peter Curtin for the past couple of years so
1: and i've been living with the movie m for you know too long now because i'm almost 35
0: <laughs> yeah no we're just we're just two sides of the same coin
1: yeah on this see this is why we're the good pair for this episode so yes, it's working I agree. Yeah. It's all working. Okay, it's all coming together. Well, okay. Anyway, I could talk about Fritz Lang for fucking hours. Obviously, he basically grand, is the grandfather of the thriller genre and the certainly the crime drama and the sci-fi epic, really, mm-hmm. um, because Metropolis was the first one of those. So yeah. just go check that out. We're actually gonna cover another Fritz Lang film here pretty soon. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to get recorded, so I don't know if something else is going to happen in between them. But Mm. very soon, we're covering one of his ones from the 50s, so deeper into his talkie years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll get to that. That's another day, another topic for another day. If you want to learn more about Fritz Lang, it's an extensive topic, and I don't have the time to really dig in. So we're just kind of brushing over that. Yeah. Okay, so Peter Lorre plays our villain, Hans Beckert.
0: And we love Peter Lorre in this house.
1: Peter Laurie is such a fantastic character actor yes honestly whenever I think of a character actor his face pops in my mind
0: yes and of course our first exposure to Peter Laurie was not this film but no
1: it's probably lo- Looney Tunes it was
0: Looney Tunes yes
1: yeah <laughs> exactly because there's this very like his face was made to be caricatured yes like and so his Engie Looney Tune, to-
0: like these, <laughs> yeah,
1: his Looney Tune character is just a character of him, and it's fantastic. Like the lips are overdone because he does have these like puffy uh, lips to him that give him a slightly like, lisp, and he's got these eyes that just kind of like bug out a little bit, and oh, they bulge, yeah, and. <laughs> It is he's so soft and can be um, a very good comedic actor, which he was before. Yes. Uh, before he ever did any of this, and then after this film, he was kind of typecast as a villain for a long time, which he grew to actually like. He thought it was an honor at first to work with Fritz Lang, but then, like after the fact, it was like. Mm -hmm. oh this is a this is a curse because now everyone associates me with a child murderer awesome but i the years went on people remember him for far more than that um but i'm sure like it was that those first like five to ten years after the movie was probably just fucking hell but it's okay because he did go on to be a bond villain in like the first batch of um james bond films
0: so he was he
1: was in a casino royale right I think so. Don't quote me on that. I'm not wholly sure. Um, he was, but uh, you know, let's let's get into him a little more properly. So he is technically he's not a German actor. He is Hungarian and American. Like so, he was. So he was uh, first born in Europe, like in Hungary, mm-hmm. and then later moved to the United States. And then, um, but he got his stage career starting in Vienna back when it was part of the Austro Hungarian Empire before World War I. Yeah. Um, and then he started doing film in Berlin in like the late 20s, early 30s, which this film, his appearance in this film for M is actually like really just catapulted his career.
0: Yeah, that was his first starring role.
1: Yeah, totally. So then he it boosted his career enough, like I said, but also blessing curse because he was a villain for so long after that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But um him and uh lang both left Germany right around the same time because yeah. they both were of Jewish descent and you know bad things were happening then.
0: What things? What things were happening back then?
1: The Holocaust, Trent?
0: Oh yeah, I forgot. I, I was I was doing a bit, and now you just made me feel bad.
1: That was the comedy in it.
0: Well, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> we we like
1: to have fun here. We do have fun here. We have to because yes, this to- the topics on this show get very dark. Uh, yes. When you come guests on my other podcast, we're free to be completely silly and don't have to make dark jokes at all because we're That's talking about great. like killer toasters and shit. Fuck yeah. So anyway, (laughs) but he also went on, uh, Laurie went on to be in the man who knew too much in 1934 for Hitchcock famously. And, uh, he was also in crime and punishment, which excellent role for him as Mm -hmm. well. If you've never seen 1935, crime and punishment or read the book, both good, both excellent. (laughs) Um, some of his last like roles were actually for Roger Corman and a series of excellent b-movies if you're into that kind of thing
0: the raven comedy of terrors yeah tales tales of terror
1: exactly
0: yeah he was also um uh, kentaro uh moto for like a bunch of movies
1: this is true this is a lot
0: a lot, lot of a uh, lot of yellow face there yeah
1: yeah him and mickey him and mickey rooney man
0: <sighs> wasn't great it wasn't <laughs> great
1: we're uh we're not proud of that era
0: no, that's like I want, I wanna count how many Mr. Moto movies he was in real quick. One, two, oh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There were eight.
1: Oh God, Peter. Why?
0: Jesus. Well, they were made in like a three year period, so
1: I mean, I know how they cranked him out. You know, they just yeah. woke him up in the morning with some speed and put him down with sedatives at night. Dude,
0: that's how I wanna fucking wait, what? Come on. That'll get me through the day teaching. <laughs>
1: But you know that's how they like kept Judy Garland working crazy hours.
0: Yeah, and like and look how, how lots that turned other, out for.
1: I mean she was not the only one they were doing that to. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> that's like how studios ran their actors back then. It's fucking ridiculous.
0: We need to return to tradition, goddammit.
1: <laughs> I would say some maybe never left. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about, okay, I'm going to do my best pronouncing these names, guys. So, like, if you're German or you speak German, I'm really sorry if this doesn't come out right. <laughs> Inga Landgut, maybe? Inga um, Land-
0: Land- Landgut, yeah.
1: Landgut, she plays Elsie Beckman, mm-hmm. which is the murder victim, the Chief murder victim. Um, there's mm-hmm. multiple, obviously, because Peter Laurie's character is a serial killer, but she's the one that the movie kind of centers around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, aside from M, she's also known for playing Pony Hutchin, Huchin, Pony Pony Hoochin and Email and the Detectives. And then she went on to have, you know, like a uh, she continued to work well into her adulthood, but making just kind of small television and film appearances.
0: Yeah. She like did a lot of voiceover work.
1: Yeah, she was.
0: Germans.
1: She So for like several James Bond films, she did the German voice of Miss Moneypenny. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then um, the for those of you who uh, like vintage uh, soap operas, she was the voice of Miss Ellie Ewing from Dallas for the German dub. Yeah. Um, she, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. She also She's did Wilma. Yeah, she did Wilma for the Flintstones, and then she did various voices for Dumbo, Lady and the Tramp, uh, 101 Dalmatians, stuff like that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, you know, you didn't see her face memorably post a certain point, but you definitely heard her voice. Some of those are, you know, classics that people watch again and again and again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's talk about Ellen Widman, who plays uh, Frau Beckman, Elsie's mom. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of info on her, but I know that she was from Switzerland. And I know that aside from M, she was also in Das Weierhus. And Der Leitzraum.
0: Yeah, we can go with that.
1: Sure. (laughs) I'm sorry guys. She was previously married to Adolf Mans and Herbert Kuchenbooch.
0: I love Kuchinbooch. That's like my favorite probiotic drink.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not soaking on it myself. Um, anyway, as far as I can tell, she only has about 10 acting credits to her name, and it was all German stuff that you really got. You don't want me to butcher it any further, I promise. <laughs> um, let's talk about Otto Wernicke as Inspector Carl Lohmann.
0: Yeah, he's an intimidating guy. Duh. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, he actually played this role of Carl Lohmann, and not just M, but also The Testament of Dr. Mabuse, which mm-hmm. is another Fritz Lang film. So That's fun. So he worked in Germany even after the Nazi party took over. And despite the fact that he was married to a Jewish woman, he received special protection, kind of, and was part of mm-hmm. the uh rain chamber of culture. And so he, yeah, he was uh, he was kind of a Nazi,
0: yeah. He was on the uh, exempted artist list basically. Uh, God yep. got this. E- not didn't didn't. i don't know i'm not gonna try that again yeah yeah no kind of uh i mean shit man just fucking leave
1: yeah why wouldn't you just leave like everyone else that wasn't jewish on the film m did
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i left america to go to south korea that was pretty fucking easy same same exact scenario same exact uh circumstances you know
1: oh where were you being hunted down by someone were you being were you a part of a genocide That's not funny. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, not at all. But I haven't paid my taxes in years. So just kidding. My aunt does it for me. I don't know what's going to happen when she passes in like 20 um, years. R go,
1: block?
0: I'm, I'm just going to go live in the woods and write my manifesto.
1: I mean, dude, it's not that hard. I do mine on paper.
0: I'm not. I, I refuse to learn. Really?
1: I sort of do them when I was like 16.
0: Ah. I'm not. I'm not good at math.
2: There's an instruction I, booklet.
0: I love the genuine concern in your voice for me. That, is, <laughs> that, that makes me feel good. That makes me feel a little better about myself.
1: <laughs> I am a little concerned. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the last person. There's obviously quite a few people, but there's a lot of bodies that don't have a lot of words in this movie. Yeah. So we're just gonna focus on kind of the main people that you really need to know. Right. So, um, let's talk about Georg John, who plays the blind balloon salesman.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: So he first started appearing in silent movies, um, such as playing a Tibetan monk in uh, the Stranger. I guess that's also Yellow Face. Yeah. Yeah. He also played Death in uh, Healed Warren and Death. These roles were kind of typical parts for him. He would get typecast in these type roles. And more often, and then uh, he would also be seen as like either a father or a husband or like a dignitary. Someone always kind of stuffy from that mm-hmm. point on, you know, like 1920s forward. He also appeared in a lot of notable German or worked with a lot of notable uh, German filmmakers, uh, starting when he worked in Fritz Lang's Tired Death, which the English name was Destiny, actually. So it was like Dermude Todd or something um, in German. And like I said, he plays the blind balloon seller in M. Uh, he also worked with F.W. Murnau, playing a night watchman in The Last Man, which the English title was The Last Laugh. Uh, being, sadly, um, being that he was Jewish, John was deported in autumn of 1941 to the Polish ghetto of Lotz, where he died uh, in 1941 at the age of 62.
0: Yeah, that that's a bit of a
1: bummer. Yeah, it's a huge bummer. Just of note, that was the second largest ghetto in uh nazi occupied europe
2: Hmm.
1: right right behind the warsaw ghetto okay Mm -hmm. so let's just start talking about the movie shall we yes okay so in berlin a group of children are playing a game in a courtyard of their like apartment building you know and they're doing a fun little chant about a child murderer that's been terrorizing berlin
0: yeah as you should (laughs)
1: yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, like kids, in my experience, like nursery, you know, nursery rhyme stuff on the playground is usually kind of brutal and macabre.
0: Oh, yeah. We don't really get that until it's pointed out to us. And it's like, oh,
1: that's true. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I guess that is dark. We just like mimic things that we've already heard. <laughs> I think. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So they're doing that. And then we see a woman setting up lunch, and she's waiting for her daughter to come home from school. And then the camera pans to a wanted poster that warns of a serial killer preying on children as anxious parents wait outside the school for their kids. Oh, boy. So the setup is, you know, a terrified Berlin, very anxious parents, lots of kids who are, you know, not really fully aware of how dangerous their situation is. Mm -hmm. Um, Innocence. Then we see little Elsie Beckman, and she's leaving school, and she's just, like, kind of bouncing a ball on her way home. And she is approached by Hans Beckert, played by Peter Lorre, as we said. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he is whistling... In the Hall of the Mountain King by Edward Greig.
0: I prefer In the Court of the Crimson King. You know what I'm saying, dog?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, this was actually one of the very first uses of the leitmotif in a film. So, they use that, you know, every time he's on screen, that's, like, his theme. Like, you know how Darth Vader has a theme? This is his theme.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, so, he's whistling that. And he offers to buy little Elsie a balloon from the street vendor. And, oh, yeah. How nice. How lovely. And he does. And they start walking and talking. And then Elsie's plate at the dinner table remains empty and she's not in her chair and her ball rolls away across a patch of grass Mm -hmm. and her balloon is lost and kind of tied up in the telephone lines overhead. And this is this just masterful way to film the abduction and murder of Elsie. We know everything- I
0: I was about to ask, I had no idea what was happening there. (laughs)
1: Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Like I was saying, this is just a really masterful way to film this abduction and murder of her. And it's just breadcrumbs that clearly indicate everything we need to know about what happens to her without showing a shred of violence. Oh, yeah. Which is, yeah, like that is an art, honestly. Absolutely. And, and the this shots like this are exactly why he's the godfather of the modern thriller so in the wake of Elsie's disappearance everyone's on high alert everyone's fucking freaking out
0: there's mobs going out throughout the fucking city they're like oh you're the killer no you're the killer oh, oh. it's like oh
1: yeah it's you pandemonium
0: it, yeah it's uh i mean basically how i read the that whole like 10 fucking minutes of people just going ape shit uh just a reflection of post-World War one Germany. Everything was fucked, dog.
1: Yo, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, kids were like playing with bricks of fucking money because it was so it was just like worthless. Cause the Allies were just like, nah nah, 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 nah bitch. We don't mm-hmm. believe in restorative justice right now, bitch. You gonna you gonna pay.
2: Mm-hmm. We gotta mm-hmm. fuck you
0: up, son. Mm-hmm. Fucked them up, they did. So that that's like just like 10 minutes straight of that of like. Dudes around a table, like, oh, you're the killer. No, you're the killer. It's like, well, the newspaper says we could, we could be sitting by the killer, and we don't even know.
1: Yes, there's a lot of this infighting and just paranoia amongst a variety of nameless characters.
0: Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's fascinating to see because I mean that that's how it fucking gets whenever, or at least it used to, this level of fucking paranoia whenever you had a serial killer out and about. Because I don't know if you remember, well, I've being from Baton Rouge when we had like. Derek Todd Lee out and about, everyone was fucking losing their fucking shit about that because he was he was killing people like off of campus and shit. And once they identified him and he was like on the lam for a little bit, like even my cousins in fucking buttfuck Texas were like standing on their porch with a shotgun.
1: Blissfully, nothing like that happened near where I grew up.
0: I just lived a more interesting life than you, I suppose.
1: <laughs> no, <then> there's plenty <laughs> of. Uh, unpleasant things just not a serial killer you know uh,
0: we had two <laughs> at once Woo! fuck yeah baton rouge baby Big you know reality. what though
1: but i mean like anyone we know from like portland can just laugh at us because you know
2: really? pacific
1: northwest is like serial killers playland that's good
0: to know I'm uh, i'm gonna write that down those words, exactly.
1: What do you mean? That's like a known fact. Like, lots of serial killers came from the Pacific Northwest.
0: I'm bad at geography. I don't, I don't fucking know.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. it's, it's totally a fact, my dude. I, I believe you. Bundy started killing people up there?
0: Yes, I know that. Yes, yes, I knew that.
1: Green River Killer?
0: Yeah, okay, okay. You got me. You got All right. me. All
1: right. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to it. So... Everyone's freaking out, as we said. And uh, the police break out some brand new cutting edge techniques. We're talking fingerprinting and handwriting analysis.
0: Yep. Because it's, good.
1: yeah, because it's 1931.
0: Yep. Because uh, <laughs> the killer did write a letter. We haven't seen his face yet.
1: Yes. He uh, and- writes a letter just kind of mocking the media. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, doing what Peter Curtin did, you know, like, uh, which we'll get into that more in a little bit, but, uh, yeah, he's just like, fuck you, bitch, uh, fucking do something about it. I'm going to keep murdering these fucking small ass children, fucking loser ass.
1: Yeah. I mean, he put it a little more eloquently than Trent, but yes,
0: (laughs) I mean, I got, I feel like I got the point across pretty well.
1: I mean, you did. You did. Thank you. Thank you. In the wake of Elsie's disappearance, like I said, everyone's like, you know, completely freaking out. Well, mm-hmm. so under, especially Inspector Loman, because he's under a mountain of pressure from the government to like solve this because mm-hmm. of all the paranoia from the citizens. So, you know, he's working around the, ho- around the clock because he's the head of the homicide squad. Mm-hmm. And he tells all his men to like intensify the search, check mm-hmm. everywhere, Go to hospitals and look for psychiatric patients that might be missing. Um, go to you know, organized crime rings and see if they know somebody from you know, somewhere they're not supposed to be. Is there anyone shady character new in town? Whatever, you know, do whatever you have to do. Yeah. And at this point, everything's so crazy that even the criminals are like, we gotta get this shit under wraps.
0: Yeah, it's like he's making us look bad at this point.
1: Yeah. So, a group of organized criminals led by the Safe Cracker or the Safe Cracker, the <laughs> <der> Schranker. <laughs> so, he rounds up all the other crime bosses in Berlin and they have a conference. Yes. If you've seen that, uh, it's kind of like um, the season of The Wire where all the drug lords start like doing a co op. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like that, except, you know, they're not selling things. They're just trying to catch a serial killer. Yeah,
0: because it's fucking up their shit.
1: Yeah, it's fucking up their shit, and they got to get it under wraps. And the cops aren't working fast enough for them, So, vigilante justice, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're waiting. uh, So the cops, they go over to Hans's house, and they're, like, waiting for him, laying in wait just expecting him to be just trapped easily.
0: Yeah.
1: Like you wouldn't see cops outside the building or something <laughs> like yeah. you know, but whatever, guys, you're not subtle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh they start the meanwhile, the criminals have organized a manhunt. So mm-hmm. they're looking everywhere high and low and they have a network of homeless people people and beggars. Yeah, the beggars'
0: organization.
1: Yeah, watching out for children. And by the way, this was a real thing during this time period in Germany.
0: Oh, yeah, there was a lot of bad shit happening in Germany. That wasn't just the Nazis.
1: Yeah, so crime was bad enough that there were literally beggars watching their kids to make sure they didn't get snatched up off the street. Yeah. (laughs) That was real. Anyway, so they, they tear Beckert's room apart. And they do find evidence that he wrote a letter. So, um... Mm-hmm. You know, they just kind of continue to wait around for him anyway. So, <clears throat> meanwhile, Becker's just wandering the fucking street looking for new victims. He uh sees the reflection of a girl in the shop window and he walks over to her, and then he sees her mother, and then he's like, Fuck. All right, so then he goes over to another girl and befriends her. Mm-hmm. But he starts whistling. The blind vendor recognizes his whistle.
0: Yep, because he had done the same thing with the other little girl.
1: Yeah, and and the blind man knows that that little girl went missing after, you know, he, the, the whistle was around. So he alerts the beggars that this is happening, that this is the guy. And uh, they chalk up one of their hands with a white M and then pats him on the back, kind of like an accident.
0: That's where the title comes from.
1: That's where the title comes from, yes. Yes. Uh, Originally it was going to have a different name, but Lang liked this scene so much, like the way it turned out, that he decided that he just wanted to call it M. So that whole thing happens, and now he's easily trackable by the beggars, because he's not wiped it off, and he has like a wool coat, so it's hard to really completely get off. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's fucked, kind of, yeah. Unless he just ditches the jacket, which he doesn't do. Because let's be honest here, he knows that he is like a cat trapped in a living room. There's only so many walls he can go around before he's done. I don't know if that was a good enough analogy or not, but it's what I went with. Oh, yeah, that's solid. Anyway, so he gets away from the girl, just kind of abandons her because they're after him. A lot of eyes on him. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, not exactly the
0: best time. It's really not catching up children.
1: It's really not because everyone's looking for him. So he hides inside this like large office building just before uh, all the rest. There's just a couple of workers still there. Then they're about to leave for the evening. So the beggars get in touch with the safe cracker, and him and some of his goons <laughs> go into the building after Beckett. Mm-hmm. Beckert. Beckert. Not Beckett. Beckert. Anyway, so they capture and torture one of the watchmen to try to get information about where he went, and then two other watchmen show up, and they point him towards the attic. And uh, one of them also manages to trip the silent alarm, one of the watchmen, and the criminals just narrowly (laughs) escape being captured by the police themselves. Meanwhile, uh, so Franz, one of the criminals, he happens to get left behind, and he does get captured by the cops, unfortunately. So anyway, Inspector Lohman tricks Franz into admitting that the gang only broke into the building to find Beckert, and then he tells the cops where they're taking beckert. Mm. So, they've they've dragged beckert to an abandoned distillery Woo. to face a kangaroo court.
0: Mm-hmm. That's my favorite kind of court.
1: <laughs> ah, yes. The ones where they're not actually legally valid, but oh, um you mean like most
0: of them that I don't <laughs> recognize as a sovereign citizen from the United States
1: never tell a cop that if you get pulled over it won't go well
0: it's gone great for me so far
1: anyway I mean you know I try to avoid them anyway but whatever (laughs) he looks out upon you know a little crowd that are just judging him with hateful faces and he's given a lawyer (laughs) who argues for him Um, but you know they don't you, let's be real here. This group, this jury, has already made up their mind about him. Right. They're not gonna. This isn't a fair trial by any stretch. So anyway, he delivers an impassioned monologue, saying that he cannot control his homicidal urges. While the other criminals, you know, they've broke, they break the law by choice. He says, you know, all you guys, you're thieves or whatnot. You can control that. You can control your hands from touching those things, but not me. I, this is an urge I cannot control. You have no right to judge me. I mean, he even says, quote, What right have you to speak, criminals? Perhaps you're even proud of yourselves, proud of being able to crack into safes, or climb into buildings, or cheat at cards, all of which Mm -hmm. it seems to me you could just as easily give up if you had learned something useful, or if you had jobs, or if you weren't such lazy pigs. I myself cannot help this. I have no control over the evil that is inside of me. The fire, the voices, the torment, end quote. (laughs) Oh, poor Beckert. I feel so sorry for the child murderer. Um, So Beckert pleads to be handed over to the police Please, guys, at least, you know, get, get take me to the cops where, you know, I'll at least get a fair punishment or whatever. Yeah. He also points out or his um, his lawyer points out rather lawyer <laughs> that the safe cracker himself has three counts of manslaughter. Uh, To his name, and it'd be just as unjust to execute him. And they're just, you know, at this point, just fed up, and they are pretty much ready to just tear him to pieces with their own hands, mob style. But the police arrive just in time to arrest him and his captors. Finally, he gets his real trial, and a verdict is delivered. That he is guilty. And the mothers of three of his victims are seen in the gallery just weeping. And, you know, we see Elsie's mother say, No sentence will bring the dead children back. One has to keep closer watch over the children. And then the screen fades to black as she adds, All of you. Mm. Finn.
0: (laughs) Fun little uh, breaking of the third wall, fourth wall.
1: Uh, yes, yes. That's Lane getting a little preachy there a little bit.
0: A little bit, a little bit, and say, like, oh, watch your children. D- but don't, 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 want, don't look into, like, what happened to my wife or anything. Don't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: um... What
0: about your fucking kids, lady?
1: Let's not talk about the glass house that I live in, okay? Um, let's not talk about that. <laughs> so... What's your favorite part of this movie trent
0: uh i really like the part where they're having the conference the criminals and they're going back and forth between the criminals and like the commissioner the police uh they're doing that uh like that they're both talking about the same thing so it's a reflection of each other uh police getting scrutinized by the public then this uh scrutiny trickles down to the uh criminals i feel like that's very well uh illustrated there that those cuts back and forth in between the two rooms uh criminals versus police i mean you see that in like any kind of crime movie nowadays where True. it's like the the cops talking then it's like oh well they're the criminals talking about the same thing they're like almost finishing each other's sentences but in a different uh content yeah um so being able to see that and like recognize that again i'm like oh wow this is baby's first film school okay
1: cool yeah exactly it's awesome <laughs> Yeah, Fritz himself said that this is his favorite of all his films that yes. he ever did. I want to also say that uh, there are real criminals in this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they just got random criminals that weren't wanted for anything too heinous for the court scene as extras. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and then 24 cast members were actually arrested during f- filming. I love that. Uh, it's a good time. Let's take a short commercial break. And mm. then... You'll tell us all about Peter Curtin and then those other weird, disgusting men that yes. inspired Hans Beckert. Yes,
0: yes, they shall indeed tell you these things. Wonderful. Wunderbar.
1: All right, we'll be back in all just right. a bit.
0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how
2: much at airbnb.com slash host
1: and we're back
0: hello yes we are back and now for the second part of the episode where i give you the fucked up and nitty-gritty details of this uh this real cool dude, he's the reason why I'm naming my firstborn child Peter, uh regardless of gender <laughs> So, yeah, you know, just take taking the name back, you know, Peter's been a name associated with uh bad shit for a long time, you know, just taking taking the name back.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so should we just like dive <laughs> into this?
1: Yeah, man, just get it started.
0: All right, cool. So like I know last time I was on the pod, I got a little squeamish at certain things, but I mean this case is like basically a hundred years old. So I'm gonna be a little more graphic than I was last time because I'm not gonna be uh you know as like sad and squeamish about this shit. But the movie M movie that we just got done talking about and have kind of alluded to uh was inspired by a slew of serial killers. Uh, in germany post world war one and now oh well well trent uh dr trent phd of all things serial killer and fucking gross shit related uh, why how do you know there was a like why was there a slew of serial killers post world war one uh in germany and i'll tell you listener uh, shit was really fucked up. I think I said that uh, verbatim in the first half of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, shit was real fucked up. People were able to get away with a lot of shit. The Deutschmark was uh, fucking just toilet paper. Like, mm-hmm. a, a, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And uh, yeah, people were able to get away with a lot of shit back then. Before we dive into Peter Curtin, let's just talk about like three dudes really quickly. One of them, Grossman. You had oh. Carl Grossman, who was an alleged mm-hmm. cannibal, killed like probably at least 26 people, more likely 50 to 100.
1: Well, that's if he wasn't pulling a Henry Lee Lucas and inflating his numbers.
0: Well, I mean, like, okay, so we'll get into, like, numbers things, because uh, the Germans did indeed like to take lists, but Grossman, he killed himself before he could get to, to a trial. But, like...
1: Is he the one that he, hung himself?
0: He is one of the ones that hung himself there, too. Uh okay. You're probably thinking of the guy I'm talking about later on. But similarities, because this dude also had a hot dog stand and allegedly sold meat on the black market, which you know what? I can I, I buy it. I fucking buy it because meat was not plentiful in post-world one, World War One Germany. Uh so that, that tracks a little bit. Now, the second dude you're thinking of that hung himself and also sold probably like sold meat was Carl Denke, also known as Papa Dinky.
1: Pa- Papa Dinky, of course. Papa
0: Dinky, yes, yes. Uh, we don't know shit about this dude, really.
1: Uh, we don't know enough at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like he uh, played organ at a ch- at a church. Uh, the only photograph we have on him is him on a slab, like right after his suicide. Uh, mm-hmm. He killed. He killed at least forty-two people, because he had a ledger that he would like document his shit in, and there was there was a bunch of bones and like toes and collarbones and ribs and just there were there there was a lot buddy there was a whole lot and he got caught because a dude ran out of his house screaming with a fucking axe wound to the face kind of
1: like uh uh, that kid who ran out of Dahmer's apartment
0: yeah 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 but uh you know the the germans uh they they did not uh believe the uh large uh bearded uh meat man
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. And then
0: the last dude you have who we could do a whole fucking thing on, uh, Fritz Harmon, Fritz Harmon and Grossman were mentioned in M.
1: Uh, we, we. Yes.
0: In that scene that I was like, that's my favorite one. And they're talking yes. about like, yeah. So he just like, he was actually, an F, he was a, he was a police informant and that's why he got away with shit for a long time. He was just like killing boys left and right that was like
1: was he the one who bit the adam's apples?
0: Uh n- I believe uh shit, I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up now. Cuz one Cause... of
1: a, one of the killers that inspired
0: It was probably Harman.
1: Yeah, he he literally would bite their adam's apple.
0: I'm pretty sure it was Harmon then. Yeah. Because Curtin most of his victims didn't have adam's apples. So we're we're on to the main course for the day. This is the new king fuck you of shitass mountain. That is who Peter Curtin is. Uh Peter Curtin born May 26th happy belated birthday Peter. Uh 1883 uh in the German Republic, yeah. Uh
1: Yeah. So,
0: yeah uh he didn't have a great childhood his uh family was abusive as shit parents were fucking drunk tell us all
1: this time
0: yeah no exactly you know my my parents weren't drunks but then i became a drunk i don't know cycle of something or other i don't fucking know it skips a generation i should go to therapy
1: i mean you're a standard comedian i mean
0: yeah exactly (laughs) that's why i should go to therapy
1: exactly
0: it's a red flag. It's kept me from dating women for years. That and like being able to readily available talk about dudes like Peter Kurt.
1: Hey, you know some people think that's a plus.
0: <laughs> and I'm still trying to find those people, but here we are right now on a podcast talking about it. So
1: well, that's how you have to get your outlet out.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. So if there's any ladies listen to the podcast, <laughs> just, just write my co-host right now, and she'll just like send you my info you're my I mean, wingman I'm, now
1: okay i'm your yeah. wingman yes I, we're gonna give all his details at the end of the episode <laughs> yes yes we are yes
0: exactly you don't need to know the darkness behind these eyes it's, it's, you, you'll you'll get there soon enough um <laughs> but yeah no, his shit was all fucked up as is the case for most of these motherfuckers he killed his first people at the age of nine which i do believe this story Whereas like Oh yeah, we are on the paddle trip and we were in the boat and the boy fell in, in the water and the other boy went to go get him from the water and they held their fucking heads down. I'm like, Yeah, yeah I mean we've
1: we've seen tracks. we've seen younger kids than that killed. Like there's those those two little British boys that lured a toddler out of yep, the mall. The yeah, yeah. Those kids were super young when they killed him.
0: Yeah, dude. Uh and apparently they did some awful shit when uh they uh got out i believe that yeah i
1: believe that mm-hmm. anyway back on topic
0: <laughs> yeah back on topic. we'll talk about those other little rap bastards later on uh so yeah so Curtin, at the age of 13 you know when you become a man in germany uh because like all the other men were dying of dysentery or uh in the trenches mm. well that that i'm sorry i'm getting ahead of myself by making world war one jokes a little too soon
1: Sure. But- not there
0: yet yeah no so he wasn't getting any any action from the ladies that he was seeing Mm-mm. so Mm-mm. what do you do guys when you're pent up you gotta you gotta let loose a little something you know you know what we like to do on the weekends with the boys fuck animals
1: see i was gonna say Pornhub.
0: no well they didn't have that then so he had to his only really his only option was to fuck sheeps pigs goats you know, some real Livingston Parish shit.
1: Guys, why couldn't you just like do an American pie style?
0: But Take it a gets warm better. pie by the it sheets. Gets, it gets better because he had to stab the animals to bust
1: i know i was hoping you wouldn't mention it
0: oh oh guys, i'm gonna i'm on one right now sober trent is uh still fucking insane
1: all right
0: yes yes so yeah we're gonna be talking about uh busting without touching yourself a lot this episode i'll 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 try to not talk about it as much for your (laughs) sake
1: i appreciate
0: that i'm not making any promises though i said i'll try
1: Look, I have, I have my water and stuff at the right. Should I feel faint by what you talk about? Yeah, <laughs> the case
0: of the vapors.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, he was doing that shit. Damn, he was doing some real fucked up shit to his siblings. Uh, yeah. I won't. It's essay. I'm not going to go into that part. That's where I'm going to draw the fucking line there.
1: Didn't he, didn't he have incest with his siblings?
0: He tried to. His okay. dad. Uh did some stuff with them.
1: Yeah, 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 I knew that part. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so he's going through life. He becomes an apprentice, like you do in like the late 1800s Germany and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh then he's just like fucking breaking it, entering, just because, like, you know, fuck you, that's why. And then he is he, he has like one attempted murder. He's like strangling her into unconsciousness to screw this chick. Uh well, I say screw two. SA this person got drafted into the army uh he was like nah i don't want to do this and he fucking ducked out he deserted which i don't know how he didn't get fucking shot for that that's interesting
1: yeah you know going AWOL is not a great idea because they'll find you
0: yeah so i mean i guess like to get out of the army he he told people that he liked to set fires that he got aroused by it and hmm. he hoped that he was burning uh like sleeping transients alive when he set him on fire Or when he set like, He Haylofs some barns on fire mm-hmm. So that That's That's it. Like every time we're on I'm on this fucking podcast I always have to talk about Like You know what I don't get that kink I do not get fire I don't understand things
1: Yeah I don't get it either Probably good that we don't Right <laughs>
0: I guess. Cool.
1: I mean, no kink shaming, but.
0: Uh, no, you know what? I will kink shame the fire thing. I'm like, you know what? No, that is that is a sign of serial murder.
1: It's not a good sign, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. All right. So he's still having these fantasies of uh, just incredibly graphic uh, and violent sex. And he could just be thinking about this, and guess what would happen in his pants? Mm hmm. He'd make it a gravy. <laughs> oh, God. Him making he, a grave. in his pants.
1: yes, uh, yes, yes. Talking yes. about
0: steaming. he he had he 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 busted in his pants again. Yeah,
1: yeah, we got yeah. that, Trent.
0: Did you did you get that? Do I need to review? Yeah. myself?
1: Nope. I think you're good. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, cool. So first murder, <laughs> first murder. You know, just or first confirmed murder for sure. Uh, starting off strong, murdered a ten-year-old uh, Christine Klein during uh, a burglary at a tavern in his hometown of Mulheim am uh, and he was just, like, hanging out, going, snooping around, saw a sleeping child, strangled her, slashed her throat, and he was a big fan of the blood dripping. It spurt in an arch over his head, apparently, and, uh, I think you know what, what, what involuntary acts happened. Uh, yes. But, yeah, he would also go to her grave and play with the soil, and spontaneously ejaculate. hmm
1: hmm
0: Yeah, just, like, just, like, playing with dirt. I mean, I don't...
1: Yeah, yeah you know, why not?
0: then uh, uh you know strangled her strangled the second person this was an attempted murder blood spurred out of her mouth any time that i mention blood just assume that peter Curtin has busted all right we don't we don't have to keep i don't have to keep repeating myself on this because yeah. I, I feel like it's taking up time at this point fair yes so just when you see blood uh or when you hear blood and the sound of my voice just do your best to make yourself spontaneously ejaculate to like really get in the headset of this of this podcast
1: or you know do whatever you want (laughs) you don't have to do it
0: yes do what i tell you to do (laughs) i am your god emperor now
1: anyway
0: all right we'll get back to that Well, i'll i'll plug my cult at the end of the episode (laughs) Um, so yeah he goes back to jail for like fucking arson and burglary and shit you know real boring stuff uh just kidding both of those are fun fun hobbies i highly recommend them to everybody then 1929 he is stalking chicks he comes up and this is like when he starts using a pair of scissors that's like kind of one of his like mo's uh, sharpened pair of scissors he meets up with this woman he's like no row don't scream and just like stabs her 24 times un- in some undergrowth
1: you know what this makes me think of have you ever what? seen the film uh an adaptation of Stephen king's the dead zone
0: yeah yes yes absolutely you know I that see- yep
1: you know that bathroom scissor suicide scene of
0: course yes yeah that's what that makes scene. me think
1: of it's a great scene
0: yes anyway so yeah <laughs> So this lady survives. Good for her. She's obviously stronger and has more of a will to live than a nine-year-old. Because that happens next.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: strangled a nine-year-old before stabbing her is everywhere. Not like I, everywhere. When I say everywhere, just like let your mind wander. I'm not gonna. I I I don't have to explain. There's blood. You know what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he later on he sets the body on fire. And one of the things that Curtin ha- does, and I, I, f- I forgot to mention this when I was talking about the first murder, uh, Christine Klein, he will go back to, like, places nearby. Like, the the inn, the tavern that he broke into, he went to a tavern across the street to hear about, like, oh, my God, that's so fucked up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He was like, oh, yes, yes, it is fucked up. I did a good job being fucked up, right? So he likes mm. to hear about his shit. He's the reason why people say, Ah, the perpetrator always returns to the scene of the crime. Which we know isn't always true, but...
1: Yeah, like, some of them, that's why they take trophies exactly
0: so yeah moving on you know it's new criminologist fucking tech coming out of the woodworks and shit they're trying to find him not really a whole lot of luck here then he murders a woman named maria Hahn. and this sucks uh because like they like hung out for a few hours before he, he, yeah like, they, they were, were like a, they, they were on a date
1: yeah like they were like low-key vibing and then he's like yeah i'm done with you
0: yeah, know You you bought me a venge. Uh, yeah, yeah. And just like, just strangled her and stabbed her and just like, kind of like, just sat there vibing next to her as she took an hour to die. Um, yeah,
1: just like feeding off that delicious bloody energy.
0: Yeah. So like, this is. Ah, oh, god, this guy sucks ass. He really does. So then oh, he buries yeah. her. He buries her right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna nail her to a tree as if in a mock crucifixion. But her remains are too heavy, and he's like, "No, nah, I don't want to do this." Mm-hmm. Puts her back, but he's laying with the corpse. He's doing some real fun Bundy shit with there. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. Just having a grand old time uh, with that stinky, stinky corpse. But everybody in Germany's like really, really stinky at this point. So then we get two sisters, five and fourteen. So the older girl, or well, Curtin meets them befriends them at like some fucking little fairground, all right?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. And they're just hanging out. It's like, oh, I'm age is just a number. I'm I'm an old man. Uh, It's like just like just be a a fucking creep, right?
1: Of course, yeah.
0: And so he sends the older girl, who's fourteen, to go get smokes, you know?
1: Because that was fine back in the (laughs) twenties.
0: Yeah, and it's it's the twenties now, so we need to bring that shit back. I'm
1: vigorously Uh, shaking my head, no.
0: Wow. Okay, Uh, coward. So, murders the five-year-old in a patch of runner beans, apparently. I don't know. Why, why did I write that down? What the fuck are runner beans? Like red beans? I don't, I don't know, know, bro. But how did I get hmm. to this point?
1: Um, Because you dated my friend once. <laughs> I well, I, I was like this before her. Well, yeah, but, I mean, that's how I know you. That's how you yes. got on this episode. Yes, Cusabed, yes, yes, Essentially.
0: Yes, that is true. Okay.
2: <laughs> Nepotism. Yeah,
1: yeah, a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, so... This is when he like starts sucking out blood. Like he, uh, he the fifteen year old comes back. She probably like gets away a little bit, but he gets her back, or like she collapses or some shit. And yeah. he start he starts drinking blood. And we know what happens when he sees blood. Now when he drinks blood, I mean, you know what's up.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, they they call him vampire for a reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. He is not a great guy. Not a really super cool dude. Um, and yeah. then uh, after this horrible shit, he goes see this 27-year-old, or he accosts this woman, Gertrude uh, uh, He's And he's like, hey, baby. Like, he's coming off like beavis and butthead, like, hey, wanna fuck? And she's like, no. Well, die, then, is what he responds. Um, and just stabs <laughs> her a shit ton. Uh, but she survives, but she can't really give a description of him. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And you know, traumatized, you know. Yeah, and so the scissors aren't really working that much. He like tries to like stab another person, but he's like, no, these I have dulled these scissors. Yeah, and um, yeah, he's he's going with the hammer now. Uh, you
1: know, solid solid choice.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely scissors. solid. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And which, which, going back into this, like, I'm reminded of another case that's like 20th century, but like, uh, the uh, the maniacs or whatever, the one guy, two guys, one hammer thing, or one guy, one hammer. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I
0: was like, oh, that's that's what this looked like. (laughs) So he does. Thanks for that
1: walk down internet memory lane. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah. So Continue.
0: (laughs) He bludgeons a servant girl. With the hammer,
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm.
0: so like he assaults her, and she's like begging, like, "Hey, dude, don't fucking kill me, please." Don't, and then just kept going with the hammer.
2: Yeah.
0: And I like, look, I oh god, I know I'm making it really hard for you to be my wingman right now, and I appreciate (laughs) the effort that you're putting in.
1: Man, I mean, I've done all the research for him, too. I'm just like, yep, I remember when he does that. And yeah, yeah. that's that's fun. Yeah. So, you know, just keep keep on keeping on.
0: Yeah. So um, does the hammer trick again with 22 year old to the temple. He loves the temple. She dies from her injuries the next day. Oh, also, I forgot to mention, he killed a dude after Christine Klein. Just, like, stabbed him in the face and the neck and the back, like, a bunch. It's, like,
1: the only guy he killed, right? I believe so.
0: Like, this dude is doing, like, Art the Clown shit, basically. (laughs)
1: Yeah, just kind of haphazardly.
0: Yeah, so, yeah.
1: Just ordered some Art the Clown earrings.
0: I need to get some Terrifier merch uh, soon.
1: I have a shirt from
0: nice. terrified too yeah nice then a hey, another five-year-old girl gets attacked and uh murdered so yeah does that stabs in the temple with scissors oh god just ew. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read these parts of my notes where we're, you get the idea of what happens
1: yeah he's a sick fuck and uh, 30,
0: like when well, you stab somebody 34 times in the same place it's just like uh
1: like hey if you've seen Terrifier 2, you know that infamous, that infamous kill scene? It's like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, then he like starts writing papers. He wrote to a local communist paper, uh, gave them a map of uh, the location for Maria Hahn. They are like getting like Ernest er- Gannat up involved in this shit and he's like, Yeah, no, this is one dude, and he had one last fatal attack, but, like, there were, like, a a few, like, non-fatal, like, hammer attacks. Dude approached this 20-year-old woman, right? Nobody knows who this guy is. And so this woman named Maria Budlik, she went to Düsseldorf to find a job, basically, hanging out. So she's following the dude, but she's kind of apprehensive. Dude's like trying to take her through a scarcely populated park. And they're starting to argue because like, dude, what the fuck? I don't want to fucking go down this park with you. I don't fucking know you, dog. So then another dude comes through and he's like, hey, babe, this guy fucking with you. And would you like to take a guess about who this knight in shining armor is? Do you know who it was? Who? It was our boy, Peter.
1: Uh, Of course.
0: Yeah. So fucking this is right out of a goddamn horror movie. Um yeah, yeah. yeah. So so he invites her back to his place.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: She's not interested in screwing. He's like, all right, I'ma be cool and chill. I'm bring you to a hotel. But actually, I'm gonna take you to the woods and fucking dude god awful shit to you dog mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
0: uh let her go he let her fucking go which was very surprising she ended up telling she didn't go to the cops she went to a friend so
1: it's a good way to get caught by letting a victim live
0: that is an endorsement from a horror versus reality don't let your victims live <laughs> a little little tip from us to you <clears throat>
1: Look, I'm not trying to give anybody ideas, but I mean, you just how can you not feel that way after you hear a story? It's like, you idiot. You shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I want the victim to live. So anyway, continue.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. I guess we got to say that to be politically correct on this pod.
1: (laughs) No, it's just me being real here
0: but also All right. so basically this shit gets opened up by the post office cops are getting involved and they get his ass they get his ass there he could confess to his wife first like yeah on the fucking vampire Dusseldorf after being arrested at gunpoint Mm
2: -hmm.
0: fucking like yep nope did that uh, 68 crimes, 9 murders, 31 attempted murders. Mm-hmm. Did not try to be like, oh, woe is me, like Peter Lorre in the movie. He wasn't like that at all. He was like, yeah, bitch, I did that shit, son. Well, you know, uh, Peter
1: Lorre just has those big expressive eyes. You can yes. just, he needed to do the whole tiniest fiddle in the world, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, but, like, it's cool, though, because Curtin didn't torture the children. Well,
1: that's good.
0: That's nice. That's nice of him.
1: At least they um, died fast, right, yeah. you
0: know? So the side of the blood did, what What did the side of the blood do for him?
1: It made him come in his pants.
0: Yeah, I knew I would get you to say it at some point. He's saying that, like, okay, if he did that while he was strang- strangling somebody, he would immediately apologize. Yeah, and he drank a lot of blood from uh, one victim. Yeah, there was a lot of blood drinking involved. Like, he puked. He drank so much from Maria Hahn. Uh, <laughs> <and> also, <laughs> he. Ugh. Oh, God, I remember this part. I love this part. Uh, so we cut the head off a swan and then drank the blood from the neck.
1: Yep, yep, and, like and a what, like a twisty straw.
0: And what did he achieve in the process?
1: Um, ejaculation for ejaculation. a thousand.
0: Ejaculation, ejaculation, that is correct.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, he's pleading insanity. All right, like he's seeing all these fucking psychiatrists and shit. Uh, a book called, I believe, the Sadist is written about him. Uh, by one of his doctors So he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity Like it, like he was like under an, Like he was under guard Because they wanted to beat his ass And he had no remorse for this shit Well I
1: was just thinking but, about Sorry I just wanted to interject All this uh, blood drinking got me thinking about The quote from <laughs> Fight Club
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Where you know The narrator Jack Says that uh, You can drink a pint of blood before you get sick I didn't know that yeah, it's like one of those scenes where he comes to work after doing a fight club in the basement, a fight club night, and uh, just has bruises and blood on his shirt. And then he like sp- he like has a mouthful of blood, and it says "eat me" or something to his boss. Yeah. And uh, then the- there's a narration over that that just says that very matter of factly. You know, you can swallow a pint of blood before you get sick. So, yeah. and I've seen that movie a lot. Sorry.
0: Yeah, I I can tell. (laughs) And Curtin loved his wife. He's never been been unfaithful. Okay, yeah, he has been unfaithful. But he's, like, trying to, like, be cool to his wife. And I'm just like, I I don't, I don't. No, you're not, bitch. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) So he gets convicted. The trial only lasts, like, ten days. We're not going to go into all this shit. Of course he's got a fucking narcissistic personality disorder, if you couldn't fucking tell. So let's get on with the execution. So for his last meal, and I wrote this down specifically because I'm in the fucking mood for some, uh, some Wainer Schnitzel,
1: a bottle of white
0: wine, and some fried potatoes. Which That
1: sounds lovely.
0: Honestly, I would probably break sobriety a little bit for like white wine and Wiener Schnitzel and fried potatoes. Like there's like a glass.
1: Sure. Have uh have you ever seen the show Bored to Death with Jason Schwartzman? Yes. That's what he does. He was like, yeah. "It's just white wine."
0: Yeah. <laughs> so he wanted seconds, but the prison staff was like, "Bitch, nah." And in
1: some places, they'll give you seconds. Well, back they when will. they were back when they were still doing last meals, they don't really do that anymore.
0: Yeah, they, they don't let you pick anymore, really. At least in Texas. Yeah. Because somebody went and fucked it up for everybody else. Yeah. Stick. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, Curtain gets beheaded by the gu- good old guillotine. Uh, it goes, it goes, it goes, it goes guillotine.
1: I was watching a documentary on the guillotine, um, this yeah. morning actually when I was house sitting, and the woman kept calling it guillotine, and it was driving me crazy.
0: You should have reached through the screen and punched her in the face.
1: If only, if only. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> he was a priest and a uh, psychiatrist and. You asked me this uh, when I first started, like when I was talking about his last words and shit. Did you ever look up his last words? Did I? Yeah, did you?
1: I don't. Maybe I've done a lot since the last time we talked about this.
0: Okay. All right. Cool. I'm excited then. So he asked his psychiatrist, and this is the most fucked up dude in the world, right? This guy, is, mm-hmm. he's like a really shitty German. He's like top 10 shittiest Germans, probably. Or at least top 20. Fair so. So here's his last words. Tell me, after my head is chopped off, will I still be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? That okay. would be the pleasure to end all pleasure.
1: Okay, yes, I did know that. Yes. I did know that. Because... he didn't
0: have like, any actual last words. He was like, no.
1: Yeah, yeah. He didn't have any actual last words. Yeah. Yeah. So but was... uh, the fun thing is, though, for, like... A second or two, he would hear the gushing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, do you think that that he
0: came in his pants then?
1: Uh, No, because his head wasn't attached to his body anymore.
0: I like to believe that he came in his pants.
1: (laughs) One last time.
0: (laughs) Just one for the road, you know?
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: So, what happened to Peter Curtin's head, you might wonder?
1: Is it pickled somewhere?
0: It's bisected and mummified, and you can actually go see it at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Wisconsin's Dells, Wisconsin.
1: No shit. It's over stateside.
0: Yep. And uh, so is the uh, severed head of the Bluebeard of uh, Paris, I think.
1: I did know that.
0: Yeah, I I, I, I saw that in uh, Museum of Death.
1: You know what? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I've been there. I got to see it in (laughs)
0: person. No, this is the one in L.A. Oh,
1: okay. I've been to the one in New Orleans.
0: Yeah, they're both cool. I like the one in LA more though.
1: Well, I've never been to LA Trent.
0: Well, get fucking
1: good. Um, I live in New York. That's a long way ways, so Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh is that, that? That's the end of uh good old Peter Curtin.
0: Uh, he's he's dead now, so
1: very dead. Um that's usually what happens when they guillotine your head. Typically, yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm. all right so would you like to plug more of the uh bullshit that you've got going on
0: <laughs> well uh currently i am taking a break from producing shows uh i am writing more uh hopefully gonna possibly maybe go on tour uh in texas this summer do a brief Ooh. run with some friends of mine um we'll see i will give you the information when that's all sorted out i have a show coming up uh in june june 26th at yes we cannibal in baton rouge louisiana uh headlining is uh dan alton he's done comedy with uh rory scoville kyle canane bunch of other heavy hitters uh fucking dan rules gonna have isaiah benjamin ken Edwards from lafayette come out and do some sets and uh morgan wright from baton rouge uh and of course yours truly Hosting.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So if you're anywhere in that uh, Baton Rouge area, go see Trent perform comedy. Comedy. All right. And uh, as always, go check out my other podcast, Attack of the Killer Objects. I do it bi monthly most of the time. <laughs> and uh, our latest episode is on Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. Hell yeah. All right. Um, we'll see you next time. It might be a Fritz Lang movie. It might be something else. Who knows? It all depends on how the recording goes down, but we'll see you then. Well, bye everyone. Bye.